Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. Joyce is the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, a program that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. As a certified coach, she studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, author of the Chicken Soup book series, where she served as an assistant to his training program. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted hundreds of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guest will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here's our host, Joyce Buford. Good morning. Welcome to Second Wind. It's a great day in our area, and I hope it is in your area as well. Today we're going to be talking about finances and a certain part, an interesting part that we will all transition through, and that would be parent caregiving. Now, my guest and I met earlier in the year while attending a workshop, and I found him very interesting, compassionate, and, and very passionate about his profession about financial, about helping people, helping families transition through the the world of financial management. And I found him very interesting and, of course, wanted to bring him to you. So I'm very excited to welcome him to the program today. His name is Scott Neal, and Scott is a certified financial planner and the founder and CEO of D. Scott Neal Incorporated, a fee-only financial planning and SEC-registered investment advisory firm. Scott's firm helps people with get informed, be intelligent about the the decisions with their money at any stage of life. And we're going to be talking about that stage of parent caregiving today, particularly. But prior to his creating this firm, which works in all areas, he practiced as a CPA. Now, Scott is the author of over 100 articles in MD Update, a publication for doctors, and a contributor to the book Wealth Strategies for Doctors. He is a veteran of the U.S. Army, having served four years on active duty in Nuremberg, Germany, and an additional six years in the U.S. Army Reserve, where he attained the rank of captain. Scott holds two masters, an MBA with emphasis in accounting and a Master's of Divinity with emphasis in pastoral care. I like that, Scott. Now, Scott is husband and father of two adult children, and his whole goal today from our conversation that we we shared several months back while attending that workshop was about how we can help people through an important part of our lives. Now, I had just finished coming off of parenting and taking responsibility for my mother for over the last 10 or 15 years. And it's not only the financial management that you have to do, but it's also the 
transition of their later years. We're living much longer these days, and we experience many more debilitating diseases such as we move from our own home, which is a difficult decision, into care, which is always a difficult decision for them as well. And then we move into needing more care, and then usually memory care. And it's, so it's a long journey now, and lots of frustrations. And Scott's company, and Scott himself, can be a great help in helping you manage a very important part, which is, of course, the finances. So, Scott, I welcome you today. We're excited to hear your news. <laughs> Share this. Make it make sense of this, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Joyce. It's uh, it's quite a pleasure, and uh, I really look forward to chatting with you about this. It has yeah. become a passion of mine, as you know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Now, why you you told me a story about Mrs. Wilson that really planted seeds in your life about your your care for our older citizens well uh, yes uh, when my mother would start looking for me as a boy uh, she <laughs> would usually find me at the knee of our next door neighbor who <laughs> happened happened to be uh, the mrs wilson and mm-hmm. uh and i she Ms. wilson and i played board games uh right. she was probably uh Probably an octogenarian at that time. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, anyway, I loved Ms. Wilson. And uh, and so as I grew up, I grew up around my grandmother, uh, my, my paternal grandmother, and my two great aunts, her sisters. And they were all fairly young when I was born. And so uh, they they tended to me a lot. So I became very comfortable with uh, with uh, with elderhood. At a very young age, and it has it has lasted this long. I'm now I'm now approaching it myself, and so uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's, we're uh, going to get to see it from the other side, aren't we? <laughs> uh, I certainly hope so. Yes, we plan for our clients to live to be a hundred, and so really? uh, you know, and, and and be able to pay for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it gets very expensive yeah. in the later yeah. stages of life, so we have to figure out how to do that. So it's uh, yeah. but it, yes, I come to it come to it somewhat naturally, I suppose. Um, you know, it, uh, but, uh, it's, it's been a, it's been a wonderful journey. Yeah. Now, what have you discovered in working with all the clients that you do that are some of the real, um, shockers when they realize, um, maybe for the parents themselves on how to plan for the senior years? And we're talking about, um, from the time, well, when would you say, Scott, Normally, well, 80, 85, where they really start well, making major changes. Um, I see it. I see it happening in a broad range of ages. I don't think it's age specific nearly as much as it is uh, health specific. It's uh, uh, you know we yeah. you know, I've had uh, I've had clients as young as fifty five who have come in and said I've been I've been uh, I or uh, in that case it was his. His wife had been diagnosed with early set, early onset Alzheimer's disease. Oh, and yeah. So, uh, yeah. So there are specific cases where it, it but in general, uh, you know, our our financial planning software allows us to put in an age for semi-retirement, retirement, mm-hmm. advanced mm-hmm. age, and death. 
<laughs> so, mm. you know, we, we, we mark those in our financial planning, uh, you know, and so we have defaulted to that if, if, uh, to age 85 uh, as being advanced age. What I hear from clients more often than not is that I want to do thus and so early on in my retirement because I may not be able to when I'm, and they pick an age, you know, sometimes yeah. it's 80, sometimes it's 85, sometimes mm-hmm. it's 90. And uh, but interestingly enough, I had a had a, a client recently whose parents are ninety two and eighty eight, and uh, mm-hmm. I think I think he's sixty two or something like that, and uh, and they are still very active, very you know hard charging, going <laughs> going after this and that at, mm-hmm. uh, at their age, and really enjoying life, and and that's part of what I do is is that we look at the possibility. You know, our culture has so indoctrinated uh, the the, uh, the glorification of youth and the vilification of, of elderhood I think and so mm-hmm. what um, what what I really want to do is help to promote the idea that you can really enjoy what aging has to offer uh, you mm-hmm. know oftentimes it's wisdom it's uh, and, and we can actually welcome this stage of life into our lives if we if we allow ourselves to think differently than the way our culture or society would have us think about uh, elderhood, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, we we oftentimes when you mention it to most folks, they start thinking about only about decline and uh, and frailty and all of that, and and that may or may not be the case, quite frankly. Right, right. Um, it was quite interesting. I did a survey on Facebook, and I wanted to know some of the coaching question about people, and I said in midlife. What are you facing? What's one problem you'd like to address in midlife? And the the comments that I got were just so interesting because people got hung up a lot on what midlife is. They wanted to know, well, I'm past midlife or I'm not in mid. What is midlife? And so they, it was so interesting to get the responses because, as you just said, it varies greatly. And it's also doesn't depend upon age, a number. It's very much into how they physically, mentally see themselves uh, in their daily lives. Yes. So when a, when a client comes in to see you, and they're, how early are you, do they prepare early enough? Or are you sort of introducing this and they go, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Or do they come already thinking, I need to prepare for this? Well, there, there are really uh, multiple groups of people that, you know, we, we don't try to fit people into necessarily into well-defined uh, categories. But, but one of the things that I do in the initial interview, and this is something that I would encourage every listener to do, whether, whether they're going through this process or not, and well, that is to draw a genogram of their family. Uh, I learned I learned about genograms in, in, in some people say genograms, it's G E N O G R A M, and it's a way to map the relationships within a family. It's a different kind of family tree, and so, oh. if, for example, in our in our intake form that we have our clients to to uh, prospective mm-hmm. clients fill out for us, then when we first talk about them, I ask the question: Are your parents still living? Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, and and or or are they are they deceased? And I want to know, I want to know, you know, what, how old were they when they when they died? 
Um, and so, uh, but if they're still living, then I want to know that as well, because that can impact the financial plan for the couple sitting, couple or, or person sitting in front of me. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, because we've seen, we've seen so many people, uh, whose, uh, whose, whose, uh, parents, uh, or an elder care, elder for whom they're giving care has impacted their financial situation, if for no other reason. Then you got to take time off from your job in yes. order to uh, in order to do that. I'll never mm-hmm. forget uh, uh, my my mother was very very close to her to her brother. Her her brother was slightly uh, my uncle was slightly older than my mother, and they worked together side by side in the family owned grocery store. And mm-hmm. so when my brother mm-hmm. when my brother became ill, he was probably I don't know, or when her brother became ill at probably around seventy some years old. My mother made the comment, uh, and my cousin, his daughter, is a nurse, and so she Mm -hmm. made the comment, um, uh, well, she should just quit her job and come and take care of her her father. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) so I made note of that, and I I cautioned my younger brother. He's nine years younger than me, and I cautioned him. I said, we're going to have a... We're going to have a deep conversation the next time we're all together, probably. So that occurred at Thanksgiving. So at Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. we all show up, and I. So we're sitting around the table after we've had a, a, a very delicious meal, and mm-hmm. uh, and I looked at Mother and I said, Mother, remember that comment that you made about uh, my cousin taking care of her dad, quitting her job and taking care of her dad. And Mother said, uh, Well, I don't really remember that. And I reminded her a little bit more of the circumstance, and she ultimately remembered it. And then I said. I said, my question to you is, which one of us, my brother or me, would you uh, want us to quit our job and come home and take care of you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just, I just stopped. <laughs> and she, she looked at both of us and she said, I don't want either one of you turkeys taking care of me. I have my room reserved down at the nursing home. And, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, that was the opening for the conversation with us. Mm-hmm. And that was the kind of conversation that we had around the table um as it turned out she, she didn't end up going to that particular nursing home but uh uh it was uh, it was an opening that we looked for 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 having that conversation but the impact the impact of on on families uh the the different generations of a family is quite significant in many cases as to the financial impact you now right. every person that i've ever counseled about uh, usually it's in the form of uh, in, in the estate planning question. You know, I ask them I ask questions about the end of life and 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 how they see elderhood and, and all of that sort of thing. And almost without fail, people will say, "Well, I just don't want to be a burden on my family." Yeah, they just and and, right. and, and uh, Tim Prosh has written a book called The Other Talk. And it's all about the conversation, and uh, and it's a very very well written book about the conversation that you have with your with your. Uh, uh, it, it's it's subtitled the Boomer's Guide to uh, caring for your uh, for caring for your parent, I think, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, something like that. That's the subtitle. Right. It's called the Other Talk, and uh, and in that book he makes the comment, uh, just just perish the thought you're going to become a burden on your family because. Not necessarily a financial burden. That's what most of the right. people sitting in front of me are thinking about when they're answering that or when they're saying that, I think, because they're mm-hmm. sitting in front of a financial planner. But uh, we, we, are going to, we are going to become an emotional burden, perhaps, 
on our families. That's a near universal. You know, mm. we worry about mom and dad and how they're going to be taken care of. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm often fond of saying that, that they didn't call that generation the silent generation for nothing. They, they are extremely uh, close to the vest when it comes time to divulge uh, things like finances and, and all of those kinds of things. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it isn't, you know, you have <laughs> the first one that you have to transition through is, of course, the car. Um, and it's a, you know, difficult one because it is the first, one of the very first things that I experienced with my mother. And um, that, you know, is taking away their freedom. So how do you, I see the, and I experience some of mother's secrets, we're going to call them, with her finances, because she would, up until her day of death, I still didn't have total responsibility so it was a transition that um, made it a little more difficult um, in really supporting her the way I could have supported her but anyway now when somebody comes in and and they don't usually just start with you at the age of 70 I would assume that your clients start usually earlier and have a transition that transition mm-hmm. we, um, yeah we so so there's there's two you know I said I wasn't going to categorize people but there there are two major divisions and unfortunately mm-hmm. most people don't plan ahead they don't they don't they don't say okay this is how I want this to be we start introducing our our um, uh, typically, a financial advisor will introduce the concept of, of uh, long-term care insurance or long-term care planning at around mm-hmm. age 50 or so. Oh, and so right. that, is, that, is a, that is a perfect entree to begin. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the way that most people think about it when I ask, uh, when I ask the question about, uh, about a care plan. I said, well, you know, I always ask the question, do you have a long-term care plan? Uh, care plan, and they will uh, respond, oh, we have insurance, or oh, we don't have insurance, or oh, we haven't done that, but we need to think about it, or, or, or whatever. And right. uh, and immediately they gravitate, once again, I guess because they're sitting in front of a, a financial planner, they're gravitating to that, uh, to the financial side. And so they're, they're, they're asking, oh, I say, well, how you pay for this is really secondary. That's the second question. The first question is, what is your long-term care plan? What plan mm. do you have for how you want to be cared for, where it's going to happen, by whom, and all of that sort of thing? Because that will, in large part, drive the, the what the cost is going to be. And so right. then we can do better budgeting uh, out long-term. Uh, we can do better, better projections and, and forecasting if we have that knowledge of what you would like that long-term care plan to be. So, so, so that's the way that we begin talking about that usually, and there's, you know, that's a good, that's a good entree. You know, mm-hmm. if a listener doesn't know much about what's going on with mom and dad, then we could ask the question, uh, uh, "Mom, uh, do you all have long-term care insurance, mm-hmm. or have you talked about how you're going to how you're going to pay for 
for your for your long term care need. That was the next conversation that my mother and I had after she identified that she had a nursing home down there. Uh, I this was early in my career, and I didn't even know that she had uh, had long term care insurance. They didn't consult with me when they were going to take out the long term care insurance. Turns out that they had a policy that uh, uh, was taken out back in the late eighties, maybe, and uh, mm-hmm. paid hundred dollars a day, and uh, which was uh, a lot of money for her back then, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, she just thought, well, that's going to that's going to take care of you know interest. It, it did have a lifetime benefit, but um, it had no inflation rider, so it, it didn't mm-hmm. go up with inflation over over the years. So when she needed uh, when she needed uh, personal care or skilled care toward the end of her life in uh, twenty fourteen. Uh, uh, it was still a hundred dollars a day. Of course, the cost then had gone up to two fifty oh. a day. Or something. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The cost so, is just—I don't think families are aware of. I certainly wasn't of the cost of a facility. And of course, as the needs go up, so does the cost. So you you enter at one price, and then as they increase yep. and progress into their aging issues. Then yeah. so do the so does the service costs, and it's, yeah. it's really shocking sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We you had uh, had someone recently that was paying nine thousand dollars a month uh, wow. to, uh, for mm. her. Her parents were paying nine thousand dollars a month for her care, and uh, it's uh, so. So let's rewind for just a just a, a minute back to some comment. Uh, the the transitional period the the period. So we have two groups of people. One is the is the people who will wait until there is some sort of crisis. Yeah. Uh, and I see part of what we do as planners is uh, crisis aversion. <laughs> let's, <laughs> avert, let's avert the crisis from from ever ever happening. Yeah. Now, the plans right. that we lay out will very rarely, if ever, play out exactly as we would like for them to play out. They just yeah. don't. Uh, wow. So we've, we've, uh, you know, but but having a plan in the back of your mind, we call them contingency plans. Yes. You know, have an escape mm-hmm. hatch. Um, you know, my my uh, my father was uh, uh, he was about seventy eight when my mother started noticing that his cognitive ability, you know, he couldn't remember things quite the way that he did uh, before, and so mm-hmm. she started noticing all of these things and. Uh, and uh, and that's when he started going. Uh, he, he, he was, she took him to a neurologist, and I went with him, and we sat and listened to the neurologist ask Dad all these questions, and Dad kind of played games with him and, and all that sort of thing. And he told my mother that uh, that he just saw a, a a pretty normal 78-year-old brain at that point. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it turns out that he had the beginnings of what turned out to be Alzheimer's disease and, and uh and uh, but she she was resolved to be his caregiver. So when she when she told me that uh, I had been through some training at the at the medical center uh, with with the chief of neurology and the uh, I just went and sat in on caregiving uh, you know on the on the classes that were given to non physicians. Uh, they were oh, nurses and social yeah. workers and chaplains and all that sort of thing. And because mm-hmm. of my because of my degree in, uh, in pastoral care, I, I have a credential at least to be, mm-hmm. to be called chaplain, and so uh, I went and sat in on those classes. 
and uh, learned about all kinds of different forms of dementia, which aren't quite Alzheimer's disease. They, they usually get labeled as Alzheimer's disease, but, uh, but it, it, there, are, there are different kinds of... Uh, so I've had, I've had a couple of people come in and tell me uh, I have uh, I've been diagnosed... A couple of clients come in and tell me I've been diagnosed with frontal temporal dementia. Well, I know what that is now. And so yeah. I... I say, well, tell me more about that. Tell me what the doctor has told you about that. And so they go into the details, of, but it's basically uh, the, the, the degradation of executive function and, and the decisional ability, the ability to make good decisions. And it first shows up usually in money. So their doctors have very wisely told them, one of the first people that you need to talk to about this is your financial advisor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, need to, you need to open up that conversation with them because they may see things that you're unaware of or that your family's unaware of. And, and, and in fact, we have seen a couple of really sad cases of, of elders being preyed upon by unscrupulous uh, uh, contests. Uh, and we yeah. have one client, who, one client who brought in a stack of offerings from mostly from Europe. Uh, they've been mailed from Europe. And, uh, and one of them, uh, he, he brought in, it was the first clue that we had, he brought it in and said, uh, I've just won a car. And it's, oh, in a, yes. it's in a container being shipped from Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. all I have to do is send this, this company $50 and go claim my car. And mm-hmm. I said, well, let me, let me read this. <laughs> and so, uh, so we intervened and, uh, you know, and I said, uh, I said, does your son know about this? And, uh, and he said, uh, no, I haven't discussed it with him. And I said, do you think you could bring him in and we could all have a conversation about this? And so, you know, just the, just the opportunity to facilitate that kind of conversation between generations is key mm-hmm. to me. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, having, yes. having an openness in the yeah. communication. And that's one of the chief obstacles that I see to this whole, this whole uh, problem or challenges of helping our parents. Is, is that we have a we as boomers? I, I put myself in that category. We mm-hmm. we as boomers have a a different style of communication mm-hmm. than our parents. Perhaps we have a different. We certainly have a different pace to our communication. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're all we're all still pretty deadline driven. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I love that I love that uh, that you called precisely at at the hour, top of the hour, and we started this conversation, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, uh, my, my mother in the latter stages of her life and, and some of the elders that I know, uh, that just doesn't happen. Uh, you know, they're, they're usually very early to their appointments. And, uh, right. you know, it, it used to, when I would accompany my mother to the doctor, uh, it would drive me nuts <laughs> when she would be, she would say, well, we got to get there. Yeah. We got to get there well, an hour early. There- yeah, they like to be prepared. Now, we're going to be preparing for our commercial break here. And so we're going to take this short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about more of the issues and the transitions that are, and the need for a financial planner, particularly Scott Neal's company, is very caring in this, in helping this transition to be smoother and with less conflict than some parents, some families experience during this time. So we're talking about parent caregiving today. And it's so interesting and it's something we're all going to experience. So when we come back, 
we will be talking more with Scott about this subject. Okay, be back shortly. Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author, Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Well, I want to share with you that yours truly, Joyce Buford, has written my first book. And the book is Effortless Happiness, How to Find Your Voice and Finally Ask for What You Really Want. Now you can get a copy of this book at Joyce Buford Empowers in there. I'd love to sign it for you. Or it's on the bestsellers list of Amazon. Now you may wonder, as always, people say, why did you decide to write this book? And I wanted to write it because it was a tool I used to get clear about me, who I was, what I was, what I valued, and some of those beliefs that I had gathered along my way. But when I went through my transition of divorce, I needed clarity because I was really fuzzy. So this is a tool to help you manage your transition. But you don't have to go through a transition. Many of us don't have any idea of what are the values that we want and should live our lives by. And they are so individual to each one of us. So I encourage you, go to Amazon or JoyceBufordEmpowers.com, which is my website, and get your copy of Effortless Happiness, How to Find Your Voice, and Finally Ask for What You Really Want. I would be so happy to have you read that book. And in there, there's opportunities for you to get in contact with me or any discussion that you might need. So, hope you'll grab grab a copy today. Now, before we went to break, Scott was telling our guest, Scott Neal, who is a financial planner today, and his company is very much into dealing with the 
whole person meaning from their transitions that their financial transitions through life and we are particularly talking about uh, parent caregiving which is something we are all faced with we can't skip that one but Neil, um, Scott, you were telling me that there are five important stages or areas that you pay attention to in helping a family create their financial picture. Uh, we we frame it as our as our checklist or our guide to to parent caregiving. Um, yeah, and and so those those five areas very briefly are housing, healthcare, financing, leaving a legacy, and saying goodbye. And so, you know, we can t- start talking about those. And you use the word transition. I love the word senescence. I was introduced ah. to that. I learned that it was a Latin word. It was derived from Latin from 1650 or something. But it was, uh, uh, I learned the word from Dr. Bill Thomas, who has started a movement across the country uh, called the Eden Alternative or the Greenhouse Movement. Uh, he has written a wonderful book called What Are Old People For? How elders <laughs> save the world. Uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Thomas is just a wonder. I've met Dr. Thomas a couple of times, and, and he's just a wonderful human being, uh, as well as a, a, I suspect he's an outstanding doctor. <laughs> yeah. Harvard trained. So, so anyway, so senescence. You, we all remember the word, or we're all familiar with the word adolescence. Yes. Uh, adolescence is the transitional period from from uh, youthfulness to adulthood. Senescence mm-hmm. is the transitional period from adulthood to elderhood. Mm. And simply, simply by identifying that there is a transition gives new emphasis to what elderhood can be and, and for many people ought to be. You know, it's a, it's a time of, you know, he, he calls it a time of celebration. You know, it's a celebration yes. of wisdom and so forth. So, so in these particular areas, so where, where I come from, when we talk about when, when, when a client comes in, they will generally present one of these areas. Uh, well, not so much yeah. the last one, but, but the, they'll, they'll start talking about, you mentioned, you mentioned the problem with taking away the car. Yes. Uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, one of the things that we did for, for my mom and dad was I found someone who would be their driver. Yes. And, and, uh, and they, and this person treated them as though they were like, it was just like driving Miss Daisy. (laughs) 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 You know, in fact, I think we may have, we may have started referring to my mother as Miss Daisy. Daisy. uh, So got them a a driver. They were still (laughs) in their car, uh, the car that they had had for years. They were still in that car. Uh, you know, I, I had had one occasion once where a woman uh, came by my office one day and she said, come with me. She was 80, I think 87 at the time. She said, come with me. And I said, where are we going? She said, we're going to the bank. And I said, why are we going to the bank? And she said, she said, the, the trust officer won't let me buy a new car. And, uh, and I, said, I said, for heaven's sake, what kind of car do you want to buy? And he, he said, she said, I just want a Chevy. She said, it's not about the kind of car. He just doesn't want me to buy a new car. And, uh, and so we, uh, we, I said, so you want me to beat up on the trust officer? Is that what you want? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, she knew that I was always on her side. We're fiduciaries to our clients. So, so we went and we met with the trust officer and she, uh, and, 
And she looked at him squarely and she said, you know, this is going to be my last car, don't you? <laughs> and, and that kind of stopped him in his tracks. But uh, I said, I said, very well, drive me to the bank. And I wanted to see if she, I wanted to see how, what kind of driver she was. And she kept it between the lines and, and uh, did a very nice job. So, you know, we, uh, we, she, she ended up with a new car. Um, right. So anyway. Well, so, that so is difficult part- because um, usually it's the doctor. I know that's who I appealed to mm-hmm. yeah. uh, was yeah. her doctor. And, mm-hmm. you know, she had just switched to this doctor and it had been using about six months so after he you know did the the i think it's time that you give up your keys um she quit him <laughs> she was right. a very yeah. determined yeah. woman yeah. you know yeah. but that is yeah, that absolutely. is probably one of the first decisions usually i mean it varies with every individual but it is one of the signs of of aging and limitations. And I love the way that um, you quoted about this being a time of celebration. And I, there were some really sweet moments that Mm -hmm. I experienced with my mother that, uh, that I don't think had happened in several years. A real connection seems to take place and I think it's when we've prepared, we we just put down so many of those <laughs> walls that we create over the years. It was, I love the way that it, it, if we prepare for it, it can be much more of a time of celebration than right. yeah. frustration and stress. That's yeah, my take. And that's- and that's and that's how I see my job is that, you know it's a wonderful job to be able to help people to move from a place of frustration and being distressed by all of the things that are coming at them to a place of of approaching it with grace and and uh, grace and some some sort of harmony and peace. I had one client who who uh, I suggested that uh, mom could just move in with you. You know we were talking about housing and uh, and mom. And, uh, and uh, she said, oh, no, uh, she said, I would, I, I would, I would commit parasite. I had to go look up the word. You know, that, that's the killing of your parents, you know. <laughs> and so I, I euphemistically started labeling my work as uh, let's get through this without killing each other. You know, yes. because so often, so oftentimes that is the, that is the, um, the, the nature of the relationship. And it is yes. a relationship. You know, first of all, so so housing is a cars are a big issue. Housing is a big issue. You know, where are you going to live when it's no longer? So I usually phrase the question, um, uh, Ms. So and So, Ms. Jones, if if uh, if you should become unable to live safely in your house, where would you go to live? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you, you ask those questions and you don't have an answer. You want to know what their answer is yes. and whatever their answer is, you know. It, and so if you plan ahead, you can ask those questions in a in a time when it is not needed. And, mm-hmm. you know, my mother, my mother, for example, said, I think I can stay in my house. You know, she had this long term care policy and a nursing home picked out and all that sort of thing. But she said, I think I can stay in my house. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so uh, I said, well, so so then my phrase to her was, 
Well, Mom, when you're when you're ready, if you ever feel the need to talk about this, please let me be the first that you talk to about it. Just just you know, just talk with me about it. You know, right. we'll do it. We'll do it on your time. Mm-hmm. You know, and so so once again, our our sense of time as as our generation is very different from theirs. And there's a developmental task. I think this was in the book by, uh, and I've forgotten his name now, but it's How to Say It to Seniors. Um, uh, David Soley, S-O-L-I-E, uh, is a physician. Oh, that's a good one. Ger- geriatric. How to Say It to Seniors is a wonderful book on, and he talks about how to have those kinds of conversations around these issues that I'm, that I'm raising. Housing is an issue. Uh, Health care is an issue. You know, mm-hmm. who is going to manage the health care? Uh, in so many circumstances, you know, when I was doing uh, clinical pastoral education at the, at the medical center uh, mm-hmm. during my chaplaincy training, I, I, I witnessed, you know, <laughs> doctors, doctors and nurses talking to patients and patients' families, and you never knew whether they were getting better or worse. Mm. And so, uh, <laughs> so we would oftentimes interpret uh, interpret what was going on, but so we would also oftentimes different healthcare practitioners being in conflict with one another. And uh, uh, you know, the, yes, the, the, mm-hmm. the nephrologist will prescribe something that the cardiologist doesn't like, and the cardiologist yep. will prescribe something that the pulmonologist doesn't like, and mm-hmm. you know, and then, so there's no real coordinator of that. I you know I remember going going to all of those people uh, with my mother and sitting through her, her exams and, uh, and conversations and then dictating, dictating a, a note to my phone as we were leaving. Uh, and uh, she said, what, what are you doing? I said, I'm keeping track of what these doctors say to you. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, so healthcare and the management of healthcare, not only from a financial perspective, but just from a physical perspective, of um, of making sure that when you go to one doctor, you can be able to repeat what the other doctor has said accurately. Oh uh, no, and, it takes two uh, or, to go or, for every or, or yeah, or get a chart and take it with you. Yeah. You know, ask ask for the chart, the the notes to the chart. So anyway, so so you got housing, you got healthcare that that is an issue. You've got the financing of it, and so we have developed a we've developed a way to do budgeting. Uh, I maintain that there's five things to do with all the money that comes to you, no matter what stage of your life you're in. You pay mm-hmm. your taxes, you pay your debts, you save some, you give some, and you spend the rest. And, uh, and it's all gone, you know, and so uh, it's always an equation. So so we work out the budget around those terms. You, you need to know what's going on with your parents' finances. Now, once again, they're called the silent generation, so they're not going to want to necessarily disclose all this stuff. But you can get these days. You can do some online tools. We use a tool called eMoney, and uh, and and it's non-transactional. So I, I stress, you know, you can't go in, you know, uh, to mom and say uh, your daughter can't go in and and uh, make any transactions in your account through this website. But it will keep everybody informed on the same sheet sheet of music. It will keep everybody mm-hmm. singing the same song related to money. And so right. we've developed those those tools. And so it's very it's very interesting to as you do then different scenario planning to be able to pull certain things out of the budget as you're replacing them with other things, you know. Mm-hmm. But but generally we will know what the what the maximum sustainable spending level can be uh, out to uh, out to age 100. So 
Uh, uh, you know, so so yeah. we began to frame frame questions around that. So those are yeah. those are the three primary entry points that people will come to us to uh, to begin to discuss. It'll be about yeah. one one uh, lady called me recently and said uh, uh, my mom is has fallen and she is in the hospital and she's mm-hmm. probably going to go to rehab after that and I don't know if she can go back home or not. Had they had done no planning about where where mom was going to go beyond rehab and and that situation the the housing situation it, 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 mom ultimately went back home for a brief period of time and then wound up going back to the hospital and she called me again and said you know this time we can't go back and so then she drilled down and she said do I do I need to be looking for a Medicaid facility uh, a facility that has Medicaid beds because we know that mm-hmm. mom is going to run out of money or right. do I need to be do I need to be concerned about the quality uh, the the quality and and uh, and location and things like that of, uh, yeah. of the care and maybe maybe spend more money early on uh, you know so that you know we 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 can play out those different scenarios if we've got a good basis for what what our parents have and what resources they have coming in and uh, and all the resources they have available and what they're what their outflow looks like before they actually need that kind of, of housing or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. could see <clears throat> how good it would be to have an inter negotiator. Maybe I could call you mm-hmm. Scott, yep. a negotiator because you have the children and then you have the parents wishes and um, it takes that, um, that ability of knowledge, knowing all the different options, but also the ability to have some distance, to take the emotion out of it, um, to help a family make good decisions. Mm-hmm. I, and that's a compliment to you all, because I see this as part of um, an important part of your client service with your client. Well, I appreciate that. Appreciate that very much. And you know, mm-hmm. it's it's very rewarding. It's very rewarding. Uh, you know, we all be, we begin, every financial planner, I think, or should, I don't know that everyone does, but begin with a, with the goals in mind. The goals of the mm-hmm. client are, mm-hmm. are what should drive, what should drive the advice process. The advice right. process. And so, uh, we begin with, with one, let's talk about the, let's talk about the end goal. You know, what, what do you want, you know, and, um, and once again, it usually comes back in some form of uh, well, I'd like to, I'd like to maintain peace in the family. Uh, yeah. you know, some some people will say I want to preserve my assets so that they can be given to the next generation or to charity or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and others will say I don't care if I spend my last penny. You know, I had one client tell me that their that the ultimate estate plan was to to write your have your last check written to the undertaker and have it bound. <laughs> So the yeah, kids so. will pick it up. <laughs> With your fifth one that we haven't talked to, and I want to get to it, is the saying goodbye. What do What do you mean by that? Well, the the, the intermediary know. step is leaving a legacy, and you know, and leaving a legacy can mean either financial or non financial. Most people interpret it to be financial, but uh, it can be it can be non financial as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's how you want to be remembered. But the, the, the saying goodbye is really about, um, uh, you, know, uh, rec- you know, recognizing recognizing and giving 
giving honor to uh, leaving leaving this life in a dignified way and with mm-hmm. peace and harmony. When I was when I was training as a chaplain, um, you know, I had uh, I experienced at least two deaths uh, on every shift that I was serving as a chaplain on call, and I would mm-hmm. be present in the room, uh, usually in the hospital or, or ICU, um, with with a family. And mm-hmm. I started to quickly recognize there there was there was two types of leaving, two types of dying. There was there's one that is marked by peace and tranquility, um, mm-hmm. and the other the other is marked with angst and uh, and and great uh, uh, negative emotion. You know, there mm-hmm. could be, you know, anger could be in the room, uh, denial could be in the room. You know, it's just. Uh, uh, any any of those kinds of things, you know, and uh, so so if you can if you can deal with deal with uh, you first have to come to terms with that we're all that we're that it's going to happen to all of us. That you know there there, was, there are two. Uh, it's often been said there are two inevitables: death and taxes. And mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and I don't know about the latter. You know, the, the first one is certainly inevitable. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's how to facilitate uh, saying goodbye, recognizing the the clues of letting go. The day before mm-hmm. my mother died, the day before my mother died, she uh, we were sitting in her room, uh, my 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 brother and sister in law and I were sitting there, and uh, and mother said, "Where's my phone?" And I said, "Well, <laughs> here, right here, here's your phone." And I handed her the phone, and uh, she started calling people. Mm-hmm. And she started calling people and said, "I thought I should call and just tell you that." That um, you know, she recalled an incident maybe that happened 20 years ago. <laughs> right. She says, yeah. she said, I just wanted you to know that I'm sorry for it if I ever upset oh. you. In any way or <laughs> Sweet. And so she she was uh, she was letting go, and this right. was the I mean she she had just gotten out of the rehab on on Monday, and this was on Wednesday, and she died on Thursday, uh, and uh, she was still very coherent. She was you know she knew what she knew what she was doing. She knew what she was saying. And she just started calling family members and uh, friends and uh, <laughs> one one enemy. <laughs> now, what, what about what you, did you? When did you have? Did you talk to your mother about the type of service she wanted? Uh, was that part of your saying goodbye? Oh yes, we. Uh, you know, she uh, when my dad became ill, uh, we started doing um, we started doing some Medicaid planning. Uh, so then most people, at least 
at the end of our planning process, we'll have a will, <laughs> well drafted by an attorney. Uh, we're not attorneys, so we can't draft the wills, but the, um, uh, is, uh, is some form of letter of instruction that goes along with the will. Uh, the, mm-hmm. you know, the will is usually written in, in legally. So, so we help people to write that letter uh, to, uh, nice. to their loved ones. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm, I'm a proponent of, uh, of uh, wild mind writing. So I say, you know, <laughs> and they'll, they'll say, well, I don't know what to write. So they say, well, mm-hmm. here's, here's, a, here's a blank piece of paper and a pen. Just start writing. This is not going to be the final copy of this. Just start writing. <laughs> Right, and and and, uh, and you know you never know what's going to come out of that process, but uh, right. uh, that that oftentimes it turns into a very a very eloquent <laughs> uh, letter to. Uh, mm-hmm. So we we uh, we encourage our clients to seek professional counseling, um, you know, and uh, one of the one of the one of the roles going back to legacy for a moment, one of the roles of a uh, David Soley posits this in his book. One of the roles of the of the adult child is to become a legacy coach, to see themselves as a legacy coach. And I think this is something that you could help your listeners with, that you are a certified coach. You can mm-hmm. help them to to some of the techniques of becoming a legacy coach uh, for mm-hmm. their for their aging parents. Yeah. And uh, it is a, somewhat of a, a coaching. You know, of course, you want to make sure that your legal papers are in order. Uh, right. You know, you, the the will and the trust or whatever. And uh, you know, one of the one of the keys that I focus on a lot is is uh, asking. Um, I ask this of, of of every person that comes into our office. I think nearly every person, anyway. That uh, I said, if if you had twenty four hours left to live, I don't want to know what you'd do with the twenty four hours. What I want to know is what would you miss <laughs> and what would you regret. Not, yeah. not not yeah. having had an opportunity to do or to have or whatever, and mm-hmm. uh, and almost all of those conversations center around deeper relationships with their families, and so yeah, that's ultimately it's so common. Yeah, Scott, is, you have on your website a checklist that people may find helpful. Can you tell them how to go to your website so we can get this in? We just have a short time and I want them to be able to pick this up if they can and use it in their transition time. So, so uh, our, our, our website or my, my blog site, you'll use that, yeah. is okay. D, my first, my first name is David, so I go by D. Scott Neal, D-S-C-O-T-T-N-E-A-L, slash caregiving checklist d scott neal dot com slash that's right caregiving yeah. checklist yeah i forgot okay. dot com yeah, yeah. d scott neal dot com <laughs> slash caregiving checklist and if you know while you're there you can subscribe to the blog just with d scott neal dot com and um now, if they wanted to to speak to you, could you quickly give them your telephone number or how they could get in touch with you? Uh, our phone number is 800-344-9098. Great. 1-800, 1-800-TOLL-FREE, 1-800-344-9098. Well, we have said a bunch today, and I thank you very much for sharing all of your knowledge and your caring 
about this subject of our parents, of how to make their transition easier. Um, it's so important. And I thank you, Scott, for being here with us today because you've you've really enlightened us with some information that maybe we haven't thought about. I love the statement that you said that that, that time in the life was more of a grace period, did you say? You quoted someone. It can be it can be a period of grace and uh-huh. purpose. Yeah, uh, purpose. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, it does need our seniors are 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 they're a generation that we will never see again. Their honesties issues are so wonderful. They believe in everybody. And so anyway, I hope you have gained some wisdom from this show. It's an it's an important area that we all need to be prepared for. And it can be a period of grace if we do a little preparation preparation in the beginning. So take this information, think about it, and perhaps call Scott Neal and see how you could progress through this transition or find um, some person in your local area. It's a very important time in your life. So thank you for being with us today. As usual, I love for our shows to be full of information that you can use and help you through your transition. Joyce Buford returns next week at this same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving support during their transition and are able to reclaim their true purpose and strength. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services and 